Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Three spooky ghost stories from the Creepypasta Library. Welcome to Spooky Boo's Creepy Pasta and True Scary Stories. Tonight I have for you three spooky ghost stories from the Creepy Pasta Library to keep you up at night. Now let's begin. Story number one Beyond the Thicket by Colpick. Carl reached the end of his driveway and took a left. He was a bit puzzled as to why he hadn't gone in this direction yet. He moved in nearly two weeks ago, but so far his nightly walks hadn't led him towards the overgrown thicket. The bent and mangled trees at the end of the street were covered in strangling ivy. Desiccated thorn bushes hid the rot that lay beneath. The dented old sign that stood before the path into the thicket was aptly lettered with the words, Dead End. Oh well, he mused to himself, tonight's as good a night as any to see what lies in this direction. Following this thought, he lightly patted his back pocket. Two odd protuberances met his hand. He reached into his pocket and pulled out two C batteries. The absent-minded dummy had brought along fresh batteries, but no flashlight. He decided it didn't matter since every front lawn had a lamp post, They'd be coming on soon enough. But he was a bit uneasy. His father had taught him the importance of being prepared before leaving the house. He turned and glanced back at the way he'd come. A slight bend in the road hid his quaint little bungalow from view. The decision to forego heading back to retrieve his flashlight was made when he stumbled over a raised bit of sidewalk. He agilely recovered himself and slowed his quickened pace. It seemed quite odd that he'd already walked so far in just a couple of minutes. His calculation of just how much time had elapsed changed when the sun disappeared behind the trees. The lamppost still hadn't turned on. Just then, Carl heard a strange noise. He spun around but couldn't make out anything more than a few feet ahead. Something darted past him on his left. He quickly turned toward it, but once again he couldn't see anything. The light breeze picked up momentum, carrying with it the same noise as before. Now, stiffly at attention, Carl could make out a whimpering moan. He muttered, Sweet Mary Joseph, under his breath. Suddenly Carl felt childish. 
he found himself out after dark, and there he was whispering like a frightened little boy, in need of a nightlight. He knew all that he had to do was step lightly and follow the sidewalk back home. He turned to head home, but just stood there, looking ahead. He turned the other way and met with the same issue. He scratched his head. Hmm, he thought. I turned back towards the way I came when I first heard that noise. Then I turned again. But then I... No, no, that's not right. Carl continued to look each way down the sidewalk, but he just couldn't determine which direction would lead him home. The mysterious moaning sounded again. It seemed much closer this time. Carl was shrouded in complete darkness now. He couldn't see his hand in front of his face. Finally, after all these years, he could now empathize with his younger brother, who was deathly afraid of the dark when they were children. He couldn't remember ever being in such utter darkness before in his life. He found it strange that none of the houses on the street had any lights on. Not even the bluish glow of a television emanated from any of his neighbor's windows. His thoughts mirrored his frustration and fear. Where's the moon, and why haven't the lamppost turned on yet? Carl sidled left until he felt the grass under his foot. He took a deep breath and let it out slowly as he spun around. He started walking guardedly with the grass and the edge of the sidewalk, each supporting a foot. He decided to follow the invisible line between the two different types of terrain beneath his feet until the moon or the lamppost lit his way. The moaning came to his ears again. It was much louder now. Yeah, it's definitely not the wind. His unsteady thoughts reached for some explanation to calm his nerves. He was walking blindly, so he wasn't confident he could travel any faster than a toddler's walk. A moose, maybe? Sure, there are pictures of moose all over town. I saw a moose crossing sign just yesterday. When I get home, I'll look up moose calls online. That's right, just concentrate on getting home and chilling out in front of the computer for the rest of the night. The tiredness in his clenched jaw and the unbunched wad of muscles in his neck loosened a little once he decided it was just a stupid moose. No moose could compare to the frightening creatures his imagination had begun to concoct. Just then a lamppost came to life. He was so glad to see again, and there he was standing right in front of his house. He squinted his eyes to guard against the brilliant glare from the lamppost. Stepping into his yard, he looked side to side and noticed that no other lampposts were lit. Glad to be home, and feeling more than a little disconcerted by his strange excursion, Carl let the observation die on his lawn. He quickened his pace to his porch, and there, lying at the foot of the steps, were three newspapers. He remembered fetching the Sunday paper that morning, so he was more than just slightly puzzled. He picked up the nearest one, pulled off the rubber band, and unrolled it. Emblazoned across the front page in bold black was the heading, Murder on May Street. The accompanying photo was of a police officer standing sentry over the path leading into the thicket. 
Kara glanced at the top of the page. Tuesday? I don't understand. He quickly skimmed through the article where a horrible feeling began to bubble up from within him. The body of an unidentified man was found brutally. Carl dropped the paper and stumbled back onto his lawn. He slumped to the ground in shock and rolled onto his back. He could see the moon directly above him, spread out across the night sky. It seemed so large and imposing. Just then the lamppost went out. The moon offered no reprieve from the darkness as a loud moan echoed along Main Street. We'll be right back for story number two. If you enjoy listening to Spooky Boo, please consider supporting the show by becoming a member of Spooky Boo's Patreon page. Find out more at www.spookyboo.club. Story number two. A Bag of Candy by Shinigami Eyes As a little girl, I was always fascinated by plays, musicals, and in general, the arts. Having a talent for acting early on, I didn't so much want to become famous as I wanted to entertain. Not only did I want to act, I wanted to know the workings of the whole shebang. Just as much as an actor remembering their lines, lighting was important, cues were important, and generally, forming the correct environment for pleasant viewing happened to be part of what I wanted to learn. The stage at my college was built long ago, and to be honest, I'm not quite sure when. It's located inside a place called Schilling Hall, in the university I attended. I do recall mention of it being renovated in 1953. It's very old-fashioned, though, and it is meant to host live performances. There are rows upon rows of seats, and above it all is a huge balcony for other people to watch from. I've never seen the place packed, but I'm hoping the next time I act, it will be. There are all kinds of rumors that this place is haunted, but of course, I've never seen any evidence, and being the type of person I am, I won't believe anything until I see it. Previously, I'd seen people going up onto the balcony and leaving a few pieces of candy on the rail for this ghost. I honestly think the cleanup crew would just pick it up and toss it. So it was a waste of time, in my opinion. Now see, this ghost was described as a little brown-haired girl. About seven, is what most people guessed, with her hair cut into a bob. She wears a white dress with a pink tie around it. She is simply called the Rail Girl, due to appearing near the balcony rail to those who have seen her. I didn't used to believe in her, but I certainly changed my mind after a few events. A friend and I were chatting over lunch one day, and he, being quite superstitious, believed in the paranormal. He was yammering on about why that girl might be there. Like she could have been a victim of a rape or murder, and she was built into the walls. Or she might have fallen from the balcony to her death. I rolled my eyes. I highly doubted there was a ghost at all. So I told him, quite simply, Ryan... Shut up and eat your sandwich. And he proceeded to with a sheepish grin. He knew I didn't believe him, but he always came to me with his harebrained ideas. As time passed, I worked in the auditorium, cleaning things up and checking the stage. 
I preferred the role of an actress, so I wanted to see how things worked and operate things just in case I didn't land a good role in a play or one of the newbies needed a guiding hand. I was sweeping up the stage, although it wasn't really that much of a mess, but I wanted it looking great for the next performance. I thought I heard footsteps. I'll note that these are not heavy typical footprints mentioned in most scary stories. It sounded like a child running. I stopped for a moment and heard nothing. I couldn't discern which direction it was coming from, so I assumed that Ryan had left a tape player on behind the curtain to give me some of that evidence that I would require to believe any of this. I didn't hear the sound anymore, but I still checked behind the curtains and in other areas where most wouldn't lend a glance to for a source of the sound. I found nothing. I spent a few times in that theater alone, cleaning up and simply surveying the area for anything being amiss. Most nights were mundane. Nothing happened, and any ideas of the rail girl left my mind. I did, however, realize my cellular phone went missing. I gave an annoyed little huff and started searching for it. I did know where I left it, and it wasn't there when I checked. I only found it when it began to glow and vibrate from a text I received. It was sitting on the arm of one of the chairs in the auditorium, and I knew that is not where I left it. That's not where the weirdness ends, either. One night when I was going to get my things out of the dressing room after a rehearsal, I heard weeping. I froze in my tracks, only looking around to see if I could find the source. I shouted in anger at whoever was the cause of the sound. Stop it! This isn't funny! I admit, I was a little scared. The weeping stopped, but I still had that awkward feeling of being watched. Ryan and I were working together on the stage later. We were setting up for another play rehearsal. He left a few pieces of candy on the rail. I laughed to myself, viewing it as some sort of ritual sacrifice. As we were setting up, the fog machine started to run by itself. Ryan's eyes bulged and he ran to turn it off. It wasn't even on. Furthermore, it wasn't even plugged in. He decided that maybe three pieces weren't enough and he scurried over to leave half the bag. Needless to say, I wasn't giggling anymore. A few nights later, I got on stage to practice with the others in the play. Ryan, who mostly just played minor roles and made props, as he was creative in that way, just spoke up to our leading lady. Hey, Karen, did you bring any candy for the rail girl? I didn't say anything. I had a sneaking suspicion that she was real. Not that I would give Ryan any of that glory of knowing. Karen just laughed scornfully after a scoff. Why would I leave candy for a stupid ghost? I bet it's not even real. I kept quiet. That's about the same way I felt a couple of months ago. The rehearsal went mostly as planned. I had no idea why they picked Karen for the leading role, but I figured, as bad as it sounds, that she got it by coercing our teacher in the most lewd of ways. She was rumored to be a slut. I did manage to keep up with my actions and lines, despite her emotionless acting. Just as she was getting off the stage at the end of the rehearsal, I almost let out a frightful cry. 
Two pale hands reached through the steps, and she didn't even notice their fingers curled around her ankle until it was far too late. Those little fingers tightened around her ankle, and she stumbled in an attempt to get free of them. Her feet were pulled from under her before she could utter a single sound, and all I could do was stand back and watch. As she fell, I saw those tiny pale hands retreat into the wood of the steps and vanish without a trace. I heard a sickening crack as her head connected with the solid floor. I was terrified. Although I didn't like Karen, I didn't want her hurt, or even worse, dead. Fortunately, I saw no blood pooling, but I could tell by the way her hands landed that she had tried to catch herself. After being looked over by one of the students, that wanted to be a doctor and was simply acting as a hobby. He noted that she was just knocked out. She came to a few minutes later, rattling on about how someone tripped her. I could have sworn I heard a little giggle, but perhaps it was just my imagination. After Karen's injury, she said she wouldn't return to the theater, so I was to fill in for her role. I was happy about that much, not so disturbed by the ghosts, but made somewhat nervous. I still practiced with the strange feeling of someone watching me. A few thoughts ran through my head. Should I have brought candy? I didn't let it disturb my practice. I had most of my lines memorized and I could ad-lib some things with decent success. It was moments before a little girl just peeked her head in the back door of the theater and looked around, then fled. She fit the descriptions I had heard, but I continued to act. I dug around in my purse and left a small bag of candy on the rail before I left. I did the same thing the day of the play, and all went smoothly. Weeks later, I was working the balcony control room, messing around with the lights and whatnot, simply figuring out how they worked. I was also reading a book and studying in there, simply because the girls that I shared a dorm with would probably be loud, drunk, and obnoxious at this hour. I told a few of my friends where I would be, so as I heard a knock on the door, I went to answer it, thinking I might be needed for something. I opened the door and saw nothing at first until I looked down. A little girl with short brown hair peered up at me, as if expecting something. Can I help you? She stared at me, swaying back and forth in her white dress. She gave me a simple answer. No. She vanished before my eyes. I was spooked. I didn't go there alone after that. I still go to the theater some days, and occasionally even act there. But every time I remember the rail girl, and I make sure that I leave her a bag of candy. I can't say I don't believe in ghosts anymore, but I can certainly say that she made my time in college quite interesting. Stay tuned for story number three. Ready for some scary t-shirts and mugs? Check out www.scarystorytime.com slash merchandise and find the spooky swag that's just right for you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Story number three. Don't Fall Asleep by Anonymous Dreary Apartment, Manhattan, New York Do you ever get the sunnies and feeling that you're constantly being watched? At home, at work, when you're eating, sleeping, watching TV, making love, it's always there. The faint voice in the back of your mind whispering in your ears that something is not right. It goes by many names the sixth sense, the survival instinct, that mysterious ability that we inherited from our ancestors, their only line of defense back in forgotten ages, when the world wasn't entirely our own, and the shadows didn't always lurk in the dark. I wasn't unfamiliar to this feeling, maybe because of my line of work. I'm a journalist who specializes in juicy homicide stories, and as you can imagine, it wasn't a job for the faint of heart. Some of the crimes I witnessed were the stuff of a nightmare, horrible scenes that would really mess you up. They deprived me of sleep for so many nights. Drinking usually helped with that. My girlfriend would disagree, but she's not around anymore. Usually when I get this feeling, I try to ignore it and distract myself with some mundane chores. But today, it was more stubborn than ever, despite how many times I tried to shake it off. It just wouldn't go away. It started shortly after I woke up. I was late for work, so I didn't pay it much attention. I hurried to the bathroom, yawning on the way. It wasn't probably the best idea to stay up last night till 5 a.m. I brushed my teeth and tossed some water onto my face, to wake it up. I went back to my room and picked up my dark blue suit, which I tossed on the bed last night. I changed into it and left the apartment. I headed towards the elevator just to remember halfway that it is still out of service. I rushed down the stairs and headed towards my car. I opened the door and threw my briefcase inside and circled around to get to the driver's seat. That was when this eerie feeling hit again the annoying alarm that just wouldn't quit. I stopped for a second and looked around me just to shut it up. There was nothing out of the ordinary. An elderly couple walking down the street, a teenager on a bicycle passing by, a little girl in a black dress standing next to the building I just left, probably waiting for her parents. I sighed and yawned again. Then I delved inside my car and drove towards the office. The office was as noisy as always. Chattering, shouting, phone calls, you name it. It wasn't a big newspaper, but it sure as hell acted like one. I walked silently to my office, hoping I wouldn't bump into Barry on the way. Barry was our editor-in-chief and a fat, haughty bastard with a smug smile. That pretty much summed up his whole career. Luckily, it didn't happen. I reached my small office and saw my mail already delivered. I slumped into my chair and flipped through the letters. There were the usual payment due letters that I completely ignored. 
But then I glimpsed that strange letter. It didn't have a name or an address. The envelope wasn't even closed. Hmm, that's weird. Where did this come from? I opened the letter with wary hands. There was only one sentence written inside in a beautiful, sophisticated, yet threatening font. Don't fall asleep. Uh, what the hell? I looked around me carefully, then I raised the letter up high and said, Is this a prank? Most of my other co-workers just ignored me. Two stopped talking, looked at me in confusion. Then they resumed talking again like nothing happened. I sighed in irritation and threw the letter away. Then I saw her. A little girl with fuzzy dark red hair and a black dress standing in the middle of the office cubicles like she had lost her way in a large maze. She was quite a distance away, but somehow I felt like she was staring directly at me. She looked very familiar, like I saw her before recently. Then suddenly I remembered, I did see her before, in front of the building my apartment was in. Who is this girl? Did she follow me here? I stood up and walked towards her. Hey, sweetie, are you lost? She didn't answer. I repeated the question again. This time I heard a reply from behind. Alex, who are you talking to? I turned around and saw the fat man walking towards me. Oh, sorry, Barry, I was just... I looked back at the girl to explain the situation, but there was no one there. You okay? Barry asked, staring at me in suspicion. Um, yes, yes, I'm just a little bit lightheaded. Did you finish the story on the penthouse murder? Uh, I'll get it done today. He glared at me for a second, then said, Today, Alex, this is your last chance. I nodded and didn't reply. He glared at me again, then turned around and walked away. I looked back to where the girl was standing. Where did she go? Was that a hallucination? Maybe I should stop drinking for a while. I went back to my office and tried to forget about the incident. I have a lot of work to do today anyway, if I still want to keep my job, that is. I stayed up till midnight at the office just to finish that damn murder story. When I was done, I was so hungry for a sleep that I couldn't see before me. I wobbled around until I reached my car. I delved inside, rested my head on the wheel, and closed my eyes. Just five minutes, then I will drive home. My head getting heavier and heavier. My mind slipping into the dreamland. Maybe I should just lay here for a bit. Suddenly, that bothersome alarm went off again. That voice in the back of my mind screamed at me to open my eyes. I slowly opened my eyes and I looked out of the window. There was no one there. I yawned and started the engine, unintentionally glancing at the rearview mirror. That was when I saw her again. She was sitting on the back couch, her blue eyes gazing directly at me. I screamed in shock, then opened the car door and threw myself out, falling on the street next to it. I crawled away from the car, panting in horror, then turned around and looked back at it. Again, there was no one there. The girl just vanished into thin air. What is going on? I exclaimed. The few people walking down the street stopped for a moment and gazed at me in curiosity. 
The passing car slowed down and the driver peeked at me like I was a madman. I took a deep breath, then got up and delved back inside the car, my body still shaking in fear. Was that also a hallucination? No way. That just seemed too real. Well, there is no point in pondering this now. I just needed to go home and get some sleep and think about all of this in the morning. <sighs> home sweet home, a tiny apartment in a populous neighborhood, but still, it has that warm feeling of comfort and safety that you won't find anywhere else. I delved inside, threw my briefcase on the couch, and headed towards the fridge. My nerves had calmed a bit on the way home, but still I had no explanation for what happened. I opened the fridge and fumbled around looking for something that hadn't expired yet. A few seconds later I decided to give up on eating and just go to bed. Today was already stressful enough. There was no need to extend it any longer. I went inside my bedroom, ready to throw myself onto the bed and sink into deep sleep. But just in the nanosecond before that happened, I spotted something. On the dim street light leaking through the window blinds, I glimpsed the tail of a black dress sticking out from under the bed. A black dress that I knew very well. That was the moment I realized it. This is not a dream or hallucination. She's real. She's here. And she's waiting for me. For a few seconds, it seemed like time had stopped. A million thoughts were triggered in my mind at once, and it caused this internal system crash. My body was paralyzed into place. My heart pounded inside its cage. My eyes fixated on the black dress tail that became almost indistinguishable from the darkness around it. Suddenly, I heard a faint movement coming from under the bed, and then the dress tail was pulled back underneath. That was my cue to get out of there. I rushed out of the bedroom and towards the door. I heard more movement coming from behind, but I didn't look back. I opened the door and jumped down the stairs. The next moment I was out of the building and inside my car. I quickly started the engine and drove away with no destination in mind. I drove my car aimlessly for about an hour, rethinking the whole situation in my mind. Who is this demonic girl? Why is she after me? Don't fall asleep! I remembered that anonymous warning now. It must have been related somehow to all of this. Falling asleep, that's what she wants. She was hiding under my bed, waiting for that very thing. Well, I still didn't know how to get rid of this girl, but at least I know now how to slow her down. I continued driving through the city, glancing at the shop signs passing by, looking for that tantalizing restaurant or coffee shop sign, like a drug addict searching for a dealer. The dark streets stretched before my car. The neon signs started to blind together. All the stress and exertion of the day was finally weighing down on my eyes and my head. My mind oscillated in and out of existence. I blinked for one second, only to find out that a minute and a half passed. Don't fall asleep, I reminded myself. I stopped by the side of the road to catch a breath, like I was participating in an Olympic marathon. I glanced for a second at the side mirror and saw her standing in the middle of the road, gazing at my car. 
Was she following me around all this time? She just won't quit, will she? I took a deep breath and left my car, walked a few steps toward her and shouted, What do you want from me? No answer. I won't go to sleep, so you can just give up. I shouted again, though for some reason my body was disagreeing with me. This overwhelming desire to sleep was breaking my mind. What's happening to me? I had no problem staying up multiple nights before. Why does it seem like an impossible feat today? I heard a faint giggle coming from her. Is she laughing at me? I closed my eyes and muttered faintly, just go disappear or whatever. I opened my eyes again, hoping she would do that like always, but she didn't. She was still there, staring at me with tenacious eyes and a sinister smile on her face. Then suddenly she started walking towards me. Oh shit, I whispered and ran back towards my car. I jumped inside and closed the door. Luckily, I had the engine running. I drove away, switching my eyes between the road ahead and the reflection of the girl in the rearview mirror. She was still walking steadily after my car. Then suddenly, she stopped and disappeared right before my eyes. I wiped my cold sweat with my shaking hands. How do you stop something like that? Something that has no logic or reason. Something that has always finds you wherever you are. Just don't fall asleep, I kept repeating to myself. But it was easier said than done. I had the determination in my mind, but my body was failing me in every step. Even after all those horrors, my compelling need for sleep only grew stronger. I finally glimpsed the sign of a small restaurant passing by. I hit the brakes with all my strength which stopped the car abruptly and pushed me forward to hit the wheel with my forehead. But I couldn't care less. I rushed out of the car and hurried inside the restaurant. So what can I get you? The waitress asked. Coffee, lots of coffee, keep it coming, I replied, my eyes blinking rapidly and my hands shaking in agitation. Look, she said warily and moved away, glancing back at me every now and then like I was an unhinged man about ready to jump on her throat. I didn't really blame her. I feel like I'm losing my mind, too. I looked out of the glass window at the dark street outside and waited for the black elixir to arrive. Just when will this night end? I drank my fifth cup of coffee and asked for a refill. I didn't know how much caffeine my body could handle before it became toxic, but that was the least of my worries. I just needed to survive tonight, whatever it takes. Even after all that caffeine in my bloodstream, my sleepiness didn't completely go away. It was like a gaping hole under a slippery slope. Whenever I closed my eyes, I slipped deeper and deeper into it. What definitely didn't help was the soothing 60s song on TV and the waitresses humming from the kitchen. I tried to just ignore the song and the humming. I grabbed an old magazine from the counter and started flipping through its pages. Then I heard a second humming. I looked behind and there she was, sitting on a table in the corner, playfully swinging her legs and humming to the song. She was looking at me and smiling, like she started enjoying the cat and mouse chase. Oh, Come on, I muttered, still gazing at her without moving. 
The waitress came back with a sixth cup of coffee. I gulped it all in one go, then I pointed at the girl and asked the waitress, Could you tell the little girl over there to stop humming? It's very annoying. The waitress looked at where I was pointing, then looked back at me with a bewildered face. What girl? I nodded lightly and said, Understandable. Have a good night, ma'am. I then got up and headed towards the door. I glanced at the girl one last time before leaving and saw her smiling and waving at me like, See you soon. Just get through the night. Just get through the night. That singular thought was the only thing occupying my mind at that moment. For some unexplained reason, I felt like if I just survived this night, things might change tomorrow. I left the restaurant and ran towards my car. I saw the girl again standing next to it, like she was waiting for me. How great. She's not even trying to hide it anymore. Nor my sleepiness now that I think about it. My eyes kept closing up without any input from me. My mind uncontrollably phased in and out. Oh, this is bad. This is very bad. It was all like that caffeine I just drank had evaporated from my mind. Just get yourself together. You can get through this. I ignored the girl and delved inside the car. I started the engine, but it wouldn't start. Oh, hell no. I started it again. Come on, come on, come on. I heard the girl giggling from outside. Shut up, I screamed at her, but she didn't stop. I started the engine over and over, but it was already dead. I screamed. Then I left the car and ran through the street. I ran through some alleyways until I got to the main street. I kept running through the main street, signaling any taxi or any car at all to stop. My short breathing turned into panicking, panting. My cold sweat was all over my face. My heart pounded louder and louder, like it was about to explode. I can see the girl everywhere now. In front of me, behind me, to my left, to my right. Inside passing cars, under the street lamps. Always looking at me and smiling. She was just toying with me at this point. She knew I was running out of time, and so did I. Suddenly I saw a bright flashlight before my eyes, and a car bumped into me, sending me flying backwards to hit the asphalt with my head. My blood dribbled down from my head and my leg. Everything looked hazy, and the world started disappearing before my eyes. Don't fall asleep, I whispered faintly. I groaned in pain and tried to get up. I heard a car door closing and someone rushing towards me. Then I heard a man's voice saying, Sir, are you okay? I'm sorry I didn't see you. I slowly struggled to get up and murmured, I'm all right. I just need a ride anywhere out of here. No, no, please don't move, sir. I already called an ambulance. I told you I'm fine, I yelled in frustration. I don't need an... I heard the sirens coming from afar. No, they will put me to sleep. I need to get out of here. I turned around and started limping away, but the man reached after me quickly. Sir, you can't move like this. You'll just hurt yourself. Damn it, just leave me alone, I screamed and moved away. I tried getting away, but there was only so much I could do with a broken leg. I was injured, tired, and frankly, very sleepy. I fell to the ground. This time I didn't have the energy to get up again. I heard the sirens getting closer. 
I heard the ambulance stopping. I heard people talking. I heard. I couldn't recognize what I was hearing anymore. Everything blended together into incoherent noises. Only one sound was loud, clear, and distinct from them all. The sound of a little girl giggling. I couldn't open my eyes anymore. I wasn't standing on a slippery slope. I was rolling downhill. The gaping hole was moving closer than ever before. I felt the paramedics lifting me up and putting me inside their vehicle. No, don't do it, I screamed or maybe whispered. I don't know. I felt something injected into my bloodstream. I screamed again. No, you idiots, you're going to get me killed. Did I say it, though? Or just thought I did? I opened my eyes one last time, only to see the little girl standing in front of me, her face painting the most evil smile I had ever seen. Then I blacked out. I saw the sun, the birds, the cloudy sky. Wait, did I make it? My mind was clear. I didn't feel sleepy anymore. I didn't feel pain either. I touched my forehead and moved my legs. Indeed, there's no blood, no broken bones. What happened? I got up slowly and looked around me. I was standing on a long road in the middle of nowhere. Where am I? Where's the girl? I started moving forward, not sure where it would lead me. I finally glimpsed a country house coming into view. It was a massive house, like it belonged to a large family. Though it looked somewhat normal, it didn't feel very inviting. There was a menacing aura surrounding the whole place that I just couldn't explain. I reached the house and examined it with my eyes. It seemed abandoned, though it was hard to tell from the outside. I stepped forward to knock on the door, but suddenly I heard a loud creak as the door started opening by itself. I gasped in horror and backed away slowly. All right, so probably not a good idea to delve inside. I turned around and ran away. I got back to the long road and started walking in the opposite direction. I kept walking and walking until another house came into view. A country house very similar to the first one. I got closer to the house and then I realized it's not similar to the first one. It is the first one. Even the door was slightly open like I left it. What the hell is going on? Did I make a wrong turn? No. I didn't make any turns at all. I just walked a straight line. No, there has to be another way. I turned around again and walked away. It took me another four or five times until I realized it. There's no way out of here. Just one road and one destination. I was standing before the house again, the door slightly open, calling to me to get me inside. I knew what I had to do. Drury Clinic, Manhattan, New York. Hmm, yes, Mom. No, I just don't like him. Uh-huh. No, I can't make it today. Sorry. I know. I know. All right, I love you, too. I finished the phone call and tossed the phone on my desk. I then closed my eyes and heaved a weary sigh. Just hang in there, Julia. You're a strong woman. You don't need anyone, I whispered to myself. And that concluded my five seconds pep talk after an hour-long phone call about yet another potential partner. Sometimes it's hard for people to understand you when you're already past 35 and you're still single. People who don't know you think you're either so ugly that no one wants to be with you or so toxic that you can't sustain a healthy relationship. 
People who do know you believe you're just too naive or too picky or too workaholic. They both always try to put the blame on you and come up with some cosmic solution for this mystery. But they never consider that maybe it's nobody's fault, that maybe you just didn't find the right person yet. For me, it was just that simple belief. People who are meant to be together will eventually find each other. There will be just so many similarities between them that their paths are destined to cross. I may be wrong, but I prefer never finding the right person to living in misery with the wrong one. I believe this blind pursuit for a relationship is what leads people to end up living miserable lives with an abusive partners, like what happened to my mom and my sister. Well, that's just me. I looked at the clock on the wall. It's already past 4 p.m. Not a single patient had shown up yet. Maybe I should just close for the day. I yawned and grabbed my handbag and put my phone in it, when I noticed the small pile of letters next to it. Oh, that's right. I forgot to check my mail today. I quickly flipped through them. There were some promotional letters that I just threw into the bin without reading. Then I saw that weird letter. It had a blank envelope with nothing written on it. It wasn't even closed. How did this get here? I opened the letter and saw one sentence written in a delicate font. Don't fall asleep. Hmm, is someone messing with me? I closed the letter and threw it into the bin. I picked up another letter to check it when I glimpsed someone standing in the waiting room. He was a middle-aged man in a dark blue suit. I got up quickly and walked towards the waiting room, smiling and saying, Oh, I'm so sorry I didn't see you there. You can come. I reached the waiting room, but there was no one there. What the? Where did he go? I left the clinic and checked downstairs, but there was no one there either. I shook my head in bewilderment. Am I seeing things? Maybe I'm just tired. I went back inside the clinic and yawned. Oh, I'm so sleepy. I need to take a nap. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this stories, head on over to the website at www.scarystorytime.com and make a comment. Or make a comment on the YouTube channel. Tell me which story that you like the most. You can also click on the titles to find the original stories. Links and authors. Follow me on social media on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Spooky Boo Scary Storytime, and on Twitter at Spooky Boo Roads. Do you enjoy campy horror movies? Come and watch Creature Features with my friends and me on Saturday nights on YouTube when we watch the horror host Vincent Bandal show funny old horror movies and interview exciting guests. Get your viewing time at www.creaturefeatures.tv. Send your scary stories to me by filling out the form on the website at www.scarystorytime.com or call in a comment or a scary story up to three minutes to 707-SPOOKY-B. That is 707-776-6592. And it might be played on the air. That's all for tonight. I'll see you in your nightmares.